Welcome to the Wildlife Matters podcast. I'm your host, Nigel Palmer. Well, today is a special one for us as it marks the first anniversary of the Wildlife Matters podcast. Just one year ago, we launched with a passion for wildlife and a burning desire to highlight the good, the bad, and the downright ugly things happening to wildlife and the natural world. Our vision was to build a community of caring and compassionate campaigners to end the persecution and destruction of species and the natural world. One year on, we have a vibrant and growing community that regularly astounds us with their knowledge, compassion and care for wildlife and our natural world. We are humbled and cannot thank you enough for your magnificent support and willingness to act to benefit wildlife. On today's show, we explore the benefits of woodlands for mental and physical health by explaining some of the work we have done with groups of people, some of whom are suffering from poor mental or physical health, and others who don't have access to green spaces and nature or have chosen not to spend time outdoors. We'll continue this theme in this week's Wildlife Matters Nature News with an article I was asked to write that details the benefits of being out in nature. And in this week's Wildlife Matters Investigates, we ask, where have all the raptors gone? and will expose some of the issues raptors are experiencing on or around the upland or grouse moors of the UK. That is all coming up on this week's action-packed Wildlife Matters podcast, right after we have a word from our partners, One Voice for Animals, and we're looking forward to chatting with many more of the independent members of One Voice for Animals on the Wildlife Matters podcast in 2024. But now, let's get on with this week's Wildlife Matters podcast. Exciting news! Wildlife Matters has formed a partnership with the fabulous folk at One Voice for Animals. Our partnership aims to raise awareness of the work of the many independent rescues that are part of the One Voice for Animals family. One Voice for Animals works to create awareness of the work of rescue organisations all around the UK to provide practical support that is raising standards for animal rescues and helping them to raise the vital funds that they need. The One Voice for Animals directory is the place to go to find your local animal rescue, be that for companion or wild animals. And collectively, One Voice for Animals works to influence UK animal welfare issues on behalf of their member organisations and is a member of APGOR the all-parliamentary group for animal welfare. For more information, please visit the One Voice for Animals website. Their website address is www.helpanimals.com. 
www.thepodcast.co.uk. And just in case you've missed that, get your pen and papers ready. The website address is www.helpanimals.co.uk. Now let's get back to the Wildlife Matters podcast. Welcome to this week's Wildlife Matters Investigates, where today we're asking the question, where have all the raptors gone? Now, raptors are known for their impressive predatory skills, with their keen eyesight, effortless aerial maneuvers, and ruthless hunting instincts. They are considered to be the masters of the skies. These birds share several common traits, such as powerful talons for gripping and killing prey, a hooked bill for tearing flesh from bones, and graceful flying abilities, thanks to their mighty wings, aerodynamic tails, and the ability to use thermals, wind, and stealth to survive. Despite being present throughout much of the UK, raptors are remarkably scarce around the upland moors, also known as the grouse moors. Shockingly, 68% of those prosecuted for raptor offences in Britain are gamekeepers. Many of them have been caught red-handed, but in reality, they are only a part of the bigger picture. Raptor persecution poses a severe threat to our native birds of prey. These birds have suffered rapid depletion in numbers due to persecution, egg theft, nest and habitat destruction, and exposure to harmful chemicals like DDT, now banned, which weakened their eggshells. Although some species have recovered after years of conservation effort, others remain critically endangered. In the UK, 15 raptor species breed, but the ones commonly found in and around the upland moors are the subject of today's Wildlife Matters Investigates. The Golden Eagle. There are around 500 breeding pairs in the UK, now, despite their large size, eagles are incredibly agile and capable of stooping at up to 120 miles an hour to catch their prey. They also use this speed for mating acrobatics, where they take turns to drop and catch sticks and stones in midair. Eagles are known to live for up to 30 years and they pair for life. Recently, though, Scottish Natural Heritage published a report on satellite-tagged golden eagles, which was highly critical of the grouse shooting industry in Scotland. The report presented irrefutable evidence of systematic organised criminality and was described as a damning indictment of the industry. The report examined the fate of 131 eagles all fitted with satellite tags over the last 12 years and found that as many as 41 individuals 
disappeared under suspicious circumstances, which were significantly connected with contemporary records of illegal persecution. The report concluded that relatively large numbers of satellite-tagged golden eagles were probably killed mostly on or near some grouse moors where there is recent independent evidence of illegal prosecution. Buzzards. Now, buzzards are known scientifically as Butio Butio and are among the most frequently seen raptors throughout the United Kingdom. They can be observed gliding on updrafts in all counties of England. They are a medium-sized hawk with a wingspan of up to 4 foot 6 inches and its colour ranges from almost white to dark brown. It is estimated that there are around 79,000 nesting pairs in the UK. Many people hear the cat-like mew call without realising that it came from a buzzard. These birds of prey are scavengers and general feeders, feeding on anything from rabbits to worms. Once buzzards find a mate, they will stick together for life and they are highly territorial. They have been labelled as lazy due to their habit of sitting in wait, often on a fence post, for their prey. But in reality, they are fast movers, adept at hovering and flying fast and low to catch their prey off guard. During the mating season, male buzzards perform roller coaster aerial displays to impress the female. Sadly, there have been numerous reports of buzzards being shot or poisoned throughout the UK. Within a span of just two months, from October to December 2017, nine individual media reports were issued, with six buzzards found shot in North Yorkshire alone. Upon examination, all of them were found to have lead shot inside them. North Yorkshire has a significant number of grouse moors. One buzzard was shot during a pheasant shoot in Scotland, allegedly due to mistaken identity by the shooter, who was fined £500. The Hen Harrier is also known as Circus Cyanus. It is perhaps the most persecuted of all the birds of prey on grouse moors. The males and females of the species are different colours. The male is pale grey and has long, black-tipped wings, making it easily distinguishable. The females, on the other hand, and their young are brown, with a white rump and a long, barred tail, which gives them the name ringtail. They fly with their wings held in a shallow V, gliding low to the ground to hunt for food, mainly meadow pipits and voles. During the mating season, Hen Harriers perform one of the most spectacular sky dances and food passes. Hen Harriers are listed as critically endangered in the UK and are protected under the Wildlife and Countryside Act of 1981. Only three nesting pairs are believed to remain in England, with around 545 nesting pairs throughout the UK. 
hen harriers are high-profile victims of grouse moor raptor persecution. In 2017, the BTO, British Trust for Ornithology, stated that breeding hen harrier numbers in the UK, particularly in northern England and southern and eastern Scotland, are currently or have been constrained by illegal population control associated with the management of grouse moor. Dr. Mark Avery and Chris Packham are instrumental in the campaign to save hen harriers and have an annual event usually held in August. The Peregrine Falcon, also known as Falco Peregrinus, has made an impressive comeback from its near extinction in the 1960s. During that time, the birds suffered from chemical poisoning, egg collecting, falconers taking their young and persecution. The situation became even more dire during the World Wars when the birds were shot to prevent them from killing carrier pigeons. Today, peregrine falcons can be found throughout the UK, from their traditional upland and craggy habitats to urban areas where their cliffs are now buildings and their food is the feral pigeon. These birds are the largest falcons in Britain and the fastest animals on the planet with curved wings that span around a meter and a stocky slate black body they are built for speed and they can reach speeds of up to 200 miles per hour during their trademark dive to catch their prey despite the overall increase in peregrine falcon numbers a national survey revealed that their numbers have decreased in upland areas. The association of these birds with wild and remote places in the UK is becoming increasingly tenuous as their numbers nesting on traditional inland crags continue to decline while their numbers occupying lowland quarries and artificial structures continue to grow. This forces peregrine falcons to move from their native upland moors into cities to survive. Unfortunately, many records on peregrine falcons show that they have been shot on or near grouse moors. The kestrel was once a, the most common raptor in the UK. However, its populations have been declining, especially in Scotland. Due to this, they are now amber-listed, which means they are of concern. This beautiful chestnut-bodied falcon is also known as the wind hover because it hangs in the air with its head motionless while its wings and tail work in unison before it drops onto its unsuspecting prey. Kestrels use old crow's nests, holes in trees and man-made structures to rear their young. Kestrel populations continue to decline. X-rays confirmed reports of shootings in Worcestershire and North Yorkshire that showed the presence of lead shot. One kestrel was shot on Christmas Day in North Yorkshire, suffered severe wing damage. It did survive, but many more would have been shot or poisoned that were not found. The Merlin is the smallest raptor in the UK, but don't underestimate them. Although small in size, they're fearless. Before attacking, they intimidate ravens and buzzards by incessantly chattering. Like other raptors, they track their prey, following meadow pipits and skylarks as they return to the moorlands in the spring. 
Merlins often perch on fence posts and trees to eat their game, which is then used to track their nests. Being ground nesting birds, Merlins are vulnerable to predation. Merlins pose little threat to red grouse, so they are often tolerated by the gamekeepers on the grouse moor. Some grouse moors even claim conservation success as Merlin numbers have increased. This is because larger raptors are being killed, leaving an excellent natural food source that doesn't happen to be the much-prized red grouse. However, despite these claims, Merlin are still endangered and red-listed. Wildlife Matters is working to stop raptor persecution and wildlife crime. The Scottish Government has proposed a review of shooting estates, which includes the idea of licensing them. However, it is noteworthy that the Government has formed a vicarious liability clause which would hold landowners accountable for illegal acts conducted on their land. There are no such plans or considerations from the governments in either England or Wales. Wildlife Matters urges the authorities to review England's driven grouse moors to consider introducing the vicarious liability clause and licensing them, which would make the landowners responsible for illegal actions on their land. Here at Wildlife Matters, we want to strengthen the Act by including custodial sentences for deliberate crimes against all wildlife, including raptors. And that has been this week's Wildlife Matters Investigates. Hello and welcome to this week's Wildlife Matters Nature News. Now recently I was asked to explain the advantages of spending time in nature. Fortunately, I don't usually face any physical or mental health issues. However, I was really happy to test some nature-based techniques to see how they made me feel. So, in today's Wildlife Matters Nature News, we're going to run through an article I wrote based on my experiences. With modern life, it has become much easier to stay like an indoor cat rather than go outside and explore like an outdoor cat. It's becoming increasingly common to spend entire days switching between screens, jumping from computer to the TV to browsing on your iPhone in bed. However, this is not good for your health. Spending time outdoors can have many benefits and research has shown tangible, physical and mental health benefits. Going outside, especially after spending a lot of time indoors, can improve our well-being. Experts describe how research that supports the positive effects of nature on well-being and offers strategies for incorporating more time outside into our screen-heavy routines. Nature is a great way to maintain good health. Studies have found that spending time in green spaces can lead to better sleep, lower blood pressure, 
improved physical ability and a lower risk of diseases like type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease and cancer. In addition, research suggests that spending time in green spaces can greatly reduce early mortality rates. Spending time in nature has also been found to increase physical activity levels which has many health benefits, including a reduced risk of chronic disease. Green spaces can be used for walking, cycling, other forms of physical activity, and of course, play. Children exposed to green spaces tend to spend less time playing and using screens. Apart from physical activity, the experts believe that just being out in nature, such as sitting on a beach or having a picnic in the park, is very beneficial for your health. Why this is the case, though, still needs to be clarified. Still, some theories suggest that spending time outdoors helps regulate our circadian rhythms, which affects our hormone fluctuations, society, and alertness. Good sleep is crucial for overall well-being, while hormone health is essential for keeping the body's vital processes functioning correctly. Spending time in nature can also mediate exposure to specific environmental harms. Green spaces can help regulate heat, mitigate noise exposure and filter air pollution. Such harm reduction offers protective benefits to our overall health. However, if pollution is terrible to the point of air quality warnings, it is perhaps best to stay indoors. The benefits of time spent in the natural world aren't limited to physical health. Better mental health and lower risk of psychiatric disorders with more green space exposure have for both children and adults. One reason may be that time spent outdoors has been shown to decrease stress. It provides a combination of stimulation of different senses and a break from typical overstimulation from urban environments. Exposure to green spaces can increase the mental restoration of positive emotions and decrease anxiety and rumination. Spending time in nature to boost mental well-being is known as nature immersion therapy. It is rejuvenating, calming, centering and can improve your outlook. However, the reasons behind these benefits still need to be fully understood. The psychological benefits of exposure to nature can vary from person to person, but everyone benefits to some extent. People often feel more peaceful and connected in nature because early humans lived in natural spaces and the human brain adapted to those environments. Green spaces also offer opportunities for social interactions and community engagement linked to multiple health benefits. This includes not only mental health benefits such as lower rates of depression, but also physical health benefits such as reduced rates of chronic disease. Interactions can 
be as simple as meeting someone new in the park or while you're walking your dog, or they can be facilitated by organisations such as community gardens, walking or running clubs and organised sports. If you are struggling to spend time outdoors because much of your life requires you to be indoors, don't worry. You don't have to quit your job and become a solo rock climber just to stay healthy. Just spending as little as 15 minutes outside each day can help improve your well-being. You don't need to travel to a national park or a woodland to reap the benefits of being in nature. Studies have shown that even in urban green spaces like parks or even your own garden can positively impact your physical and mental health. Try to find green spaces easily accessible from your home or workplace. You could incorporate them into your daily commute by walking or cycling. However, it's essential to be mindful when spending time in nature. You will only experience the full benefits of being outdoors if you're not focused on your phone or other devices. Instead, use all your senses to engage with your surroundings thoroughly. Take time to appreciate the beauty around you. Feel the textures, listen to the sounds and smell the fragrances of nature. If you really want to enjoy the benefits of nature, then immerse yourself and be at one with nature. And that has been this week's Wildlife Matters Nature News. Welcome back to this week's Wildlife Matters Main Features, where today we're looking at woodlands and why they are so good for our mental and physical health and well-being. I recently enjoyed leading several guided walks in a local ancient woodland. These walks cover various topics, including fungi and bats. For those interested in the subjects and a series of walks for individuals with mental and physical health problems. Many of these individuals have been dealing with their health problems for a long time. In contrast, others have experienced health issues for the first time that can be directly related to the COVID pandemic. It is becoming more apparent that woodlands offer numerous benefits to human wellness, health, and of course, the planet. Woodlands have several climate benefits, such as capturing carbon, helping manage floods, and reducing both water and air pollution. In early December of 2021, the UK government released a report by the Forest Research that stated woodland walks saved the NHS approximately £185 million per year in treatments. Now, specifically for England, woodlands saved £141 million in costs associated with mental health illness, including 
GP visits, drug prescriptions, inpatient care, social services, and lost days due to mental health issues. These figures are based on evidence of reduced incidence of depression and anxiety resulting from regular visits to Woodlands. Woodlands offer a range of health benefits, including reducing allergies, boosting self-esteem, and improving mental well-being. Access to nature is essential for good mental and physical health at all stages of life. Living near green spaces has been linked to lower cortisol levels, a stress hormone, and reduced health inequalities related to income. Studies have shown that newborns born in areas with more greenery have higher birth weights and head circumferences. People living near trees and green spaces are less likely to be obese, inactive, or to be reliant upon antidepressants. Doctors prescribe fewer antidepressants in urban areas with more trees on the streets. On my recent walks, I encountered some wonderfully diverse groups, including teenagers from inner city areas, working individuals with mental or physical health problems, convicted prisoners, rehabilitating people with early onset dementia, and retired or semi-retired adults. The benefits of nature are one of the very few things available to everyone. All of us, regardless of our ethnicity or social backgrounds, will benefit. Trees positively impact our psychological health and help keep our bodies healthy by reducing air pollution. Trees absorb airborne pollutants due to our industrial revolution and modern lifestyle. These pollutants can exacerbate respiratory and heart conditions and contain carcinogens that can cause anxiety, depression, and even cancer. Trees help by absorbing harmful chemicals from the air and releasing beneficial ones. Phytonocytes are volatile compounds with antimicrobial and antifungal properties, and trees release them as part of their metabolic process. Phytonocytes create a protective microclimate around the tree, defending it against insects, animals, disease, and decay. A significant increase in the immune system was recorded in studies where participants were exposed to phytonocytes. In particular, they recorded an increase in natural killer cells, NK. They are our body's natural first immune defense against pathogens viruses and cancer. NK cells are white blood cells that act as the first responders of our immune system. Unlike other immune cells, they don't rely on immunity to react. Viral infections can damage or destroy our white blood cells, leading to depletion and decreased immune response to disease. Researchers in Japan conducted trials on people in both woodland and city environments. They found 
that exposure to phytonocides, which are released by trees in the woodlands, increase the levels of NK cells and also decrease stress levels. As shown by a decrease in stress hormones like adrenaline and noradrenaline in the urine. Interestingly, and depending on the tree species, just one hectare of woodland can release between 11 and 30 kilograms of phytonocytes daily. Exploring woodlands can be highly beneficial for people with early onset dementia, according to research by Forestry Commission in Scotland. Being in a woodland environment can provide a sense of freedom, meaning, identity, social connection and inclusion, which are essential for individuals with dementia. Woodland activities offer a space for discussion, which is often missed during challenging times. They allow people to relax, connect and reminisce about past life experiences. They provide a meaningful and purposeful sensory experience that can improve spatial awareness and overall well-being. Throughout the pandemic, taking regular walks in the woodlands has helped many people feel much better. For some, it has prompted them to change their pre-pandemic lifestyles to continue enjoying the benefits of being in nature. Only some people have access to woodlands or green spaces. Some students from inner London boroughs admitted to spending all of their free time indoors watching movies or playing games on their phones or tablets, estimating that they spend zero hours outside except for essential travel. During our walks, I regularly stop the group to listen to the birds singing and encourage them to replicate the sounds. We had great fun. It was also a chance for me to share some information about the different bird species that they could hear and how they could recognize the patterns within the bird calls. On one occasion, we had stopped and I asked the whole group to be silent and that was so that they could listen to a greater spotted woodpecker knocking its beak into a nearby tree. The looks of awe and amazement on those faces were fantastic, especially as the woodpecker moved around the tree into clear sight, where its stunning colours and headbanger method of building a shelter for the colder months were easy for us to both see and hear. I was later sent four sketches of the woodpecker. Such was the impact of that one sighting on that particular group of people. At the same time, one particularly creative soul mixed a drum and bass track based on the woodpecker's rhythm, and we enjoyed that too. Although only a few groups can access woodlands, London's parks and green spaces are plentiful. We gave them all details of the fantastic wild areas that the London Wildlife Trust maintains with free public access and lots of activity-based events to get involved with. Some of our group have taken the time to explore their local area and enjoy walks by the local river, canal, or even through the wildlife-rich cemeteries that can be found throughout London and indeed 
all major cities and urban areas. Nature provides endless fascination and a sense of well-being, making exploring what is on your doorstep so exciting. Whether it's woodland, ocean, river, or in a city park, discovering and enjoying your local area and the wildlife that calls it home can be a fantastic adventure that is good for you physically and mentally. And it's something I really encourage everyone to do as much as they can. And that has been this week's Wildlife Matters main feature. Well, I hope you enjoyed finding out more about the benefits of being in woodlands and what nature can bring for us. We will be bringing you a special Christmas episode out on Christmas Eve, where we like to do something a little different. First, we will look at the role hedgehogs have played in our culture and folklore, before we bring you a brand new nature-based story that we have written called the fox and the puzzle ball. Now, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, or you can always listen to the Wildlife Matters podcast on our website. That is www.wildlife-matters.org. That's www.wildlife-matters.org. Wildlife Matters wishes you a happy Christmas and we will be back on the 3rd of January 2024 with our brand new episode. But for now, thank you for spending time with us today. Happy New Year. I have been your host, Nigel Palmer, and this is Wildlife Matters signing off.